hearts, O God, help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground, help our unbelief. Plant your word down deep in us, cause it to bear series, of course, Never Settle, and of course, that is our theme for this year, Never Settle. And we take that out of First Chronicles, of course, dealing and addressing the situation with Jabez, and we note that he never settled. And as we've moved along, uh, we said how important it is and how, well, actually how concerning it is, I should say, really, that in our culture, in the day and age in which we live, it seems that settling has, well, kind of taken center stage. It seems to me that not only is the world, but believers are willing to settle like never before. And as a result of that, we decided that we're going to try to change that culture in our church, try to change that in our ministry. We want to never settle. 
And uh, we don't want to settle in our personal lives. We don't want to settle in our professional lives. But even more important, we don't want to settle in our spiritual lives. And so we took the time to say, well, you know, what, what causes us to settle? And we addressed that. We talked about some characteristics and qualities of men and women in the Bible that uh, if we possess them, will keep us from settling, that'll cause us to never settle. And as we said, we began with Jabez early on. And we said, first of all, he had a heart with God. And so that heart for God, I should say, a heart for God. And that heart for God is the key, we said. It's so vital. It's so important. But then we ended by talking about Caleb. We talked about how Caleb had such great determination. How that after 45 years... He still remembered the promise that was made for 45 years. He still had a a passion in his heart to possess the land, that mountain, if you will, where he could plant his feet and grow his family. We see this element of a heart for God and determination being so key and so important. And we said we can never settle. So... Beginning this week now, I want to point out some specific areas in our lives and consider those areas and what they look like when we settle versus what they look like when we never settle. As we make our way into this very specific and intensely practical portion of our series, I want to kind of divert just slightly and I want to point out a simple principle that I believe is going to benefit us throughout the rest of the series now. Something I think that will be helpful to us along the way. I want you to take your Bible, turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We'll go ahead and get there. That's a little easier to get to than Wednesday night's verses, weren't they? I mean, those, some of those were something, weren't they? Yeah, for some of you. <laughs> And they're tricky, some of those books. I visited a man yesterday. He's uh, 80 years of age. He's only attended here a handful of times, but he had a triple heart bypass. Some of you have been praying for him on our prayer list. And Denny, he said, uh, he said he's memorizing scripture still. And uh, he's studying his Bible. And I was impressed with that at 80 years of age. And... Um, He said, I've also got this list right in front of me here. You see that list? I looked at it, and you know what it was? All the books of the Bible. He said, I used to know them really well, but the older I get, the harder it is to remember. I don't want to forget the Bible. Isn't that something? Good for Denny. What a blessing he was to me yesterday. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll kick this thing off and see where we end up today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. May you just work in our hearts and our lives. We desperately need you. May you help us, Father, to be better for you so that we can accomplish what you'd have us to. We can be the very best that we could possibly be and get everything that you have for us. We love you and we need you now. Speak to our hearts, work in our lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name, amen. Genesis chapter one, let's begin in verse one. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. 
Immediately, we note that when he created this light, he said it was good. I want you to look at verse 10 now. He continues with his creative acts. He says in verse 10, And God called the dry land earth, and gathered together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. Look at verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 18 He talks about the light again that he has created that rules the day and the night. He says, and to rule over the day and over the night and to rule the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible says again in his creative acts, and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. In verse 25, he wraps up his creative act and he says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, I think that's extremely important. After every creative act, he says, it was good. But I want you to note verse 31 now. In verse 31, the Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, we're going to see in this particular passage that it wasn't until God was finished with creation that he said it was very good. See, up to that point, it may have been good, but it wasn't until he had completed the work that he found it to be Very good. Now here's the thought. I think it's a very important thought. When you and I fail to finish what we've started, we have settled then. See, no matter how good we started out or how good we may have done along the way, it won't be till we have finished that we can truly say, I've never settled. I never settled. See, it wasn't until God finished the job that he finally rested Six days God was involved in creation. For six days, God bringing about or bringing to pass what we now live upon and look upon daily. But it wasn't until after that sixth day that he stopped saying it was good and he started saying, very good. He didn't rest till after he had followed through and finished strong. God never settled. See, you and I cannot allow ourselves to get lazy or apathetical about the roles and the responsibilities that God has given us. And whether it has to do with a husband or wife, a mother being a mother or father, or parent or guardian, or friend or family, or member or minister, we can't rest until the job's complete. Otherwise, we have settled. So it's not till the process was complete that God said it was very good. And so I believe today that the key to never settling is to follow through and finish strong. Otherwise, we will have settled. Again, anybody can start strong. Anybody can go for a while. You may even do good. 
but you settle if you don't finish strong. It wasn't very good in God's eyes until it was complete. I think that's important to remember. Finish what you've begun or you settle for good instead of very good. So no matter what area it's in, it doesn't matter whether it's marriage or childbearing, whether it's ministry or just simply your workplace. Do your human best filled with the Spirit of God to follow through and to finish strong. Never settle. Never settle. F.B. Meyer once said, and we've noted it over and over again, let us be inspired with a holy ambition to get all that God is willing to bestow. Let's not settle for anything less than what God has for us. Nothing less. Let's follow through. Let's finish the job. Let's never settle. So we talk about our first topic. We address the first topic. It's going to be marriage today. Never settle for a good marriage when you could have a very good or a great marriage. Don't settle for a good one when you could have a great one or a very good one. Years ago, there was a company called Black & Decker, and they may still be around producing some things, but I remember specifically that they made a number of tools Black and Decker tools, man, I mean, they were, they were some of the best, at least it was kind of applied to me. And you'd go to a hardware store and you'd find Black and Decker at a hardware store. But something happened. All of a sudden, you started noticing Black and Decker showing up in places like Kmart. The only thing was is that if you bought it at the hardware store, it cost a lot more than if you bought it at Kmart. And so I got thinking, you know, and of course I'm a kind of a miser when it comes to money, and I thought, man, if I need that tool, why would I go pay all that money over there at that hardware store when I can get the exact same tool for a third of the price at least? Why would I do that? So, of course, I wouldn't bought my tools. I bought them at Kmart. Same brand. It's got to be the same quality. But what we learned was that there was something called a knockoff. I mean, a knockoff looks, looks the same, may look identical, but it doesn't have the same guts. The inside isn't the same. The outside looks perfectly normal. The outside looks exactly like the rest, but the inside, huh, it's subpar, substandard. Where this one over here being sold at the hardware store was made maybe of metal innards, this one is now plastic. Oh, I mean the price over here is so much higher than the price over here, but it's a knockoff. It's a forgery. It's not the same thing. The fact is, is that it simply won't last. Sadly, there are marriages that look perfectly fine on the outside, but they're knockoffs. I mean, they're mere shadows of what they could be, and in many cases, they simply won't last. Now, let me say this. As true as the old adage is, it takes two to tango. Tango. 
There are times when one or the other party is more responsible for the problem. That's just a reality. I think it's only fair to mention that. However, let's be very careful here. This, well, it's not my fault mentality isn't the answer. See, you may not be able to fix your marriage single-handedly, but you are expected to do your part. It does take two to tango, or two to tangle. Either one, they're pretty much the same, aren't they? You can wake up. You are to do your part. You have to take responsibility for your portion, no matter what. See, no matter how good your marriage may appear then to the world, guess what? You have to know if it's simply a knockoff, though. You better figure that out. And can I tell you that the difference is always in the details? Again, a knockoff like a forgery can be very hard to recognize or spot. You, can, you have to examine it very thoroughly. You have to examine it in detail. You, you, you have to consider every aspect of it in order to truly identify whether it's authentic or whether it's a forgery. If you find your marriage to simply be a knockoff, if you find that it looks better on the outside than it really is on the inside, then my friend, it's a knockoff. And can I tell you, there's a good chance it's not going to survive. It's simply not going to stand. Can I tell you, if you find that you have a marriage that on the outside looks better than that which is on the inside, It may be a good marriage. It may be working out. It may seem like it's going okay. But can I tell you, you're simply settling. See, it wasn't till God finished the job that he rested. And my friend, if you can rest in the midst of simply a good marriage or one that's getting by, then my friend, you have settled. And that's all there is to it. So what does settling look like in a marriage? Well, we have to first acknowledge some basic principles that are rooted in the Bible and that never change. Here they are. Number one, here's here's a principle. Number one, God is always first. That's a biblical principle. God is always first. We see that in the Old Testament. We recognize God reminding us of it in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. He repeats in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. First of all, God is always first. That's a biblical principle that we have to acknowledge and recognize It's a basic fundamental principle that we ought to live by. Number two, a husband is to sacrificially love. That is a basic principle, a biblical principle that never changes. A husband is to sacrificially love. Over in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Notice again, the greatest responsibility that a man has toward his wife is to love her. Therefore, what does that say to you and I today? That says that her greatest need then is to be loved. It's not security. If you love your wife the way you ought to love her, she'll live in a box down by the river. Or she'll live in a mansion on top of a hill. It doesn't matter to her, but she has to feel loved. Because that's her greatest need in life, according to the word of God. Why would God make it such a big issue with a man to love his wife if that wasn't her greatest need? You have to learn to love her. She can put up with a lot of things if she feels loved. And she'll put up with anything, really, even you. (laughs) Number three, a wife is to willfully submit. Before we go any further, let me remind you where we are. We're in church. Just want to remind you of that so you don't go, this is crazy talk. Not in God's house and in God's word, is it? It is the Bible. A wife is to willfully submit. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves into your own husbands as unto the Lord. You say then, what does that say? If, if the wife's greatest role and responsibility is to submit to her husband, to follow her husband, then what's his greatest need? To be followed. That's his greatest need. So if I'm not loving my wife, she won't feel fulfilled. If, if my wife's not allowing me to lead and she's not following me, then I won't feel fulfilled. Biblically and scripturally, God is always first. A husband is to sacrificially love, and a wife is to willfully submit. Those are principles, basic fundamental principles that we learn in the Word of God. And this is God's way, and it should go without saying, the best way. It's the best way. See, God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you need more than anyone else knows what you need. God knows what you need. Let me tell you something, friend. If you are departing from God's inspired word, if you are choosing to go your own direction instead of God's way, my friend, you will always have voids in your heart and feel empty. They'll always be, I don't care. It could be good and it can go for a while, but my friend, that, that knockoff, it just don't last. So what do these Bible principles teach us about priorities in marriage then? What do they teach us? You guys are lucky that turned off as I was ready to bust a move. (laughs) Whenever I got going, buddy, I'm telling you, it ain't coming back. (laughs) Biblical order. Biblical order. Here it is. We need to be the best. You need to be the best you can be for God. And that's what we learn from these principles. Be the best you can be for God. Be the best you can be for God. That's first. Number two, watch. Being the best you can be for your spouse. Be the best you can be for your spouse. And here's the third. We're talking biblical order in marriage, mind you. Be the best you can be for God. Be the best you can be for your spouse. And finally, be the best you can be for yourself. Now, hold on, that is not what the world says is the order. That's not how the world breaks it down or prioritizes things in your marriage. You know what the world says? The world says, first, be the best you can be for yourself. 
Man, I mean to tell you, if you're not your best, you can't possibly help anybody else. See, you've got to take care of your needs. You've got to make sure that your, your life is going in the right direction. You've got to settle some things for yourself. You need to know who you are. It's all about you. And once you figure that all out, then you can finally help others. That's what the world says. See, the world says the best you, you need to be the best you can be for yourself. And then they say you need to best, be the best you can be for your spouse. First it's you, then it's them. Watch. And then if they believe there's a God, they say, then you need to be the best you can be for God. That's the order the world places things in. Now that's not God's order, but that's the world's order. For you as a believer, for me as a child of God, we need to remember always that in our marriages that he wants us to be the best we can be for him first and foremost, then be the best we can be for our spouse, and then be the best we can be for ourselves. Now, can I say that sometimes those all work hand in hand. Sometimes we don't have to put one, two, three. Sometimes they're all working together. But my friend, if you don't have it separated in your mind, if you haven't made the determination to prioritize as God intended it to be prioritized, uh, you're going to settle. Because, see, God's way is always what? The best way. You say, but you don't know my circumstance, and you don't know my spouse, and you don't know where I'm at. I don't have to. I know the priorities God has set and established for those that are married. That doesn't change, and it never changes, by the way, and it never will change. So what does settling look like in a marriage? What's it look like? What's it look like to settle? Remember now, we got to follow through. we got to finish the job. Don't just start. You've got to finish. Watch. You and I settle when we neglect our relationship with God. How quick is it that we start strong in this area? We get saved and we get baptized. We take a step in the right direction. We find a church and we're so excited. We're so fired up about it. Man, we want to get involved in everything and we want to get to know everybody. But then all of a sudden things begin to change and our life gets a little bit sidetracked. And before we know it, our focus on God has been lost. We've got to be careful with that. See, I'm telling you, in your own marriage even, just your own life, you have to recognize and understand that if you don't focus on your relationship with God, if you neglect that area of your life, it will cause you to settle in your marriage. Because, again, you need to know what God wants for you, and you need to get everything God has for you. Number two, you and I settle when selfishness replaces sacrifice. We settle in our marriages when selfishness replaces sacrifice. Now, the reality is, is in our atomic nature, we are selfish. That's all there is to it. We have this great desire, and the very root and foundation of that atomic nature is to live independently of God. It's all about me. It's all about mine. And can I tell you, in a marriage, that will suffocate and it will destroy. Selfishness will wreck and ruin every good thing God has for you in your marriage. Settling. How does it look? Well, when we neglect our relationship with God, that's settling. When we settle for selfishness, replacing sacrifice, that's settling. And you and I settle when our spouses are lost in the busyness of life. We're settling. 
You show me a marriage and you bring it to me. I'll be able to tell you whether you've settled. I can look in three areas of your life. First of all, your relationship with God. Number two, whether or not you're selfish or you're sacrificial in the way you approach your marriage. Or number three, I'll look and say, where's your wife, your spouse, your husband fit into your busy schedule? And if any one of these things is true, then you have settled, my friend. You are not going to get the best God has for you because he never intended that to be the case. We already looked at those biblical principles. We've already talked about the fact that it has to be God, the best for God first, then the best for your spouse second, then the best for you last. So what does never settling look like then? What's it look like to never settle? When you're never settling, God is given his rightful place on the throne of your life. He's given the rightful place on the throne of your life. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I know it's a popular verse. Just a few years ago, we used it as a theme for our, our uh, well, our theme verse and our theme for the year. But notice what it says in the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. But when we finally place Christ on the throne of our life, we are in a position to never settle. That's when the greatest things God has for us can become reality. It's amazing how we continue to look into the world in which we live to supply the needs of our life, to provide us with the, 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 just the, the, the desires that we have. We're looking in all the wrong places so many times when in reality they are found in Christ Jesus. They're always found there. A marriage that never, is, never settles. If you're never settling in your marriage, then you've given God his rightful place on the throne of your life. Number two, never settling, we willingly take second place and surrender our needs to those of our spouses. All of a sudden, their need becomes more of a priority than ours. All of a sudden, it isn't about me anymore. It's not about me getting equal it's not about me getting even more. It's about me pleasing and surrendering and sacrificing on behalf of my spouse. And I know that's a foreign concept today in the world in which we live. And can I tell you, it's not getting any easier as we raise our children in this center, like this selfish me world in which we live. I mean, everything revolves. Listen, can I just make this statement, and may I just try to help you a little bit? If you don't discipline your children according to the word of God, if you don't bring them into order and bring order to your home, my friend, you are raising a child that will be nothing less than just pure selfish. It's always about them, therefore they'll expect it to be about them. And one day when you're sitting in an old couch somewhere in an old beat-up little house and your children want nothing to do with you, you'll wonder why. Can I tell you, you better have disciplined them. You better have taught them that the world doesn't revolve around them, that they're not first in the household. I'll tell you what, if you're putting your children above your husband, if you're putting your children above your wife, my friend, you're making a grave error. You're going to raise a bunch of terrorists. They're going to hold you hostage one day. 
and threaten the peace of your home. Thank you, preacher. We love you for being so straightforward. You're a blessing to us. Never settle. I'm telling you, never settling. God's given his rightful place on the throne of our lives. We willingly take second place and surrender our needs to those of our spouses. And here it is, number three. We take the time to know one another in an intimate way. I'll tell you, so many times we don't slow down long enough to really listen. Relationships are more about listening than they are talking. And we get so busy, we get so caught up in the world in which we live that we don't get to know the person that we got to know. You know, it's pretty sad. I don't know if I'll get to this list, but I made a list of some things that happens when we settle. I, I don't, well, we might have a minute. Let me just throw a few of them at you. Um, here's what it looks like practically a little bit. And I didn't use these before, but I'll use them right now. If you, if you find yourself saying, no matter how hard I, no matter how hard I try, it's never good enough. So why bother? You've settled. If you've become content with the status quo, you've settled. When the routine replaces the reason you married your wife or husband, you settled. You know how it is. We get so comfortable with one another. Well, we're comfortable, preacher. You may be. Are they? And comfort isn't always the key to attaining everything God wants for you. I'm going to tell you something. If you're a Christian today and you are so comfortable, you may not be studying your Bible or praying. You may not be pushing yourself to reach others with the gospel. You may find yourself in a position where you're quite content to sit in a pew and never do anything on behalf of the God of heaven. I'm comfortable. Comfort is not always a good thing. Matter of fact, if we look at the early church, the one thing we recognize about the early church is that they got comfortable in Jerusalem and God had told them to go into all the world. Guess what he had to do? Bring persecution. He had to bring discomfort in order to get them to flee into the other nations of the world where the gospel was then given as God had commanded originally. Sad, isn't it? But it's a reality. Sometimes God has to put his size nine on our backside and get us moving. You didn't think I could kick that high, did you? You guys have no, you have no confidence in me at all. None. <laughs> when you've gotten so comfortable in your relationship that you don't feel you need to work at it anymore, you've settled. When there's no fire, there's no friendship, there's no faith that is shared between the two of you, guess what? You've settled. Can I tell you, it's so easy to fall into the trap of simply being mom, dad, provider, caregiver, cook, cleaner, or even groundskeeper, and subtly lose sight of yourself as husband or yourself as wife, friend, and lover. See, we forget what attracted us to our spouse. We lose sight of them as the gift that they once, as we once considered them to be. We lose sight of that. When our ambition, our goals, our dreams become so big that they block out the ones who helped inspire them, we're settling. I'm telling you, this thing of marriage is important because it's important to God. It's not enough to start strong. You have to follow through. You got to follow through. And you say, yeah, but it's going really well now. Don't give up now, though, because you end up settling you got to finish the job like Jesus Christ did in creation. 
And although it may have been good to that point, it wasn't until he finished the job that he could say it was very good. Don't settle. Never settle. Never settle in your marriage. It's too important to your spouse. It's too important to yourself. It's too important to your children. But most important, it's too important to him. We said it began with a heart for God. And it demands determination like Caleb. Again, we sandwiched a bunch of other characteristics and qualities between those. But you got to have a heart for God. You must be determined or you'll settle. I wonder, is God first in your life today? I'm, I'm, I mean first. I'm not talking about do you schedule God into your life, but did you schedule everything else around him? There's a big difference, isn't there? I wonder, do you order your life and marriage biblically? I mean, do you say, you know what? I'm putting God first. I'm putting my spouse second. I'll put myself third. By the way, did you notice something interesting? I did not mention children because they aren't the top three. They're after those. Just thought I'd throw that in. Do you order your life and marriage biblically? What area of your life needs the most attention today? What area of your marriage needs the most attention? I think it's time we stop assuming that everything's fine until we ask the right people the right questions. You know, the truth is, is that one of the great, most selfish things I can do is determine that I don't, I don't want to ask those questions of a spouse because I really don't know that I want to hear the truth. They may criticize me. They may say they don't like something. And honestly, I just don't want to change. That's called pride. That's called selfishness. Because it's still about you, isn't it? You got your priorities mixed up. They're not biblical. And can I tell you that the real goal is to, in never settling is to get everything that God has for you. And God's way is always the best way. Whether you think so or not, it is. What are you going to do with Christ today? Christ in your life, Christ in your marriage. I mean, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Do you know for sure that heaven's your home? Don't settle for going to hell when you could go to heaven. Don't settle for a mundane life when you could have an extraordinary life with Jesus Christ. Don't do it today in your marriages and in your lives. Maybe you're not married today. You need to be putting God first. Put him first. You will never regret putting him first. When you're laying on your deathbed one day, you will never regret putting God first. When you're laid up in the hospital and you've been given bad news, you will never regret putting God first then. When you face hardship and trials in your life, that's when you will, you will never regret putting him first. Put him first. And in your marriage, put him first. Both of you need to come together and say, we want to put God first in our marriage. I'm going to put him first in my life, sweetheart. You put him first in yours. Are we in agreement? Yeah.
Let's go make that commitment at an altar. Let's make that commitment at our seat. Let's make that commitment in our bedroom. Let's make that commitment in our living room, but let's just make that commitment together. Never settle. Father, we come to you. We ask you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, what commitments need to be made today? What changes need to be made in our lives? We thank you for the privilege that we've had, Lord, just to take a few moments and consider what a marriage looks like when we've settled versus a marriage looks like when we haven't. Oh, Lord, to think about you working so mightily in our midst, to you meeting needs in our lives along the way, for you bringing our spouse and us closer together, to working it, it becoming more closely knit, more intimate in our walk and our relationship together, not just with you but with each other, to put ourselves second, not first, to truly lift them up and to try to do our best to please them and make them happy. Whether you're the guy or the girl, we're both to be putting each other first. We're submitting one to another, the Bible says. And Lord, we thank you for your truths. Father, I pray, Lord, if there be any that are without Christ today, that they wouldn't miss this truth, that they need you, that you have a better way for them than the way they've been traveling. They're simply settling. They don't need to settle anymore. They can get everything that you have for them by putting their personal faith and trust not only in your word, but in your son, Jesus Christ. By allowing him to take their, their, their place on Calvary. He's already died for them. He's already shed their precious blood for him. Now, Lord, may they receive and accept him into their life. Can I say, as I break from prayer, if that's you today, why don't you just step out into the aisle and come forward and let someone take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven's your home. It won't be a Baptist way, it'll be God's way. It won't be a religious way, it'll be the Lord's way. Maybe you're a child of God and your marriage is suffering some. It's one of those knockoffs a little bit. It looks really good on the outside, but you know there's some things on the inside that just aren't gonna last if you don't correct them. They're gonna cause there to be a little riff here and there. There's gonna be things that could be better that you're settling for. Why don't you settle that today? Make your way to an altar, maybe kneel at your seat and just deal with it. Confess some things to a wife, confess some things to a husband, but get it right now while you can and begin moving forward with a never settle attitude. Father, we need you now. We love you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen.